0: That's Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Love Talk Radio. Are you ready for some hot, steamy conversation? (laughs) I don't know how hot, steamy it is. (laughs) Yeah. and I had a fantastic relationship this is Stephen and I just want to share uh, yeah I, I want to expand on that just quickly because the real man good morning and welcome to coffee talk I'm soy host of the fastest growing online talk show where we discuss real topics with real people in real situations good. Morning. Good morning, good morning, good morning, and welcome to Coffee Talk with Solar, your new morning show, where real talk happens every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. I am honored to be in the studio this morning to discuss such a topic that's so relevant and prevalent in our communities today. Before we get into that topic, I just want to say Belated happy Thanksgiving to all of you out there and and, and hoping and wishing that you enjoyed your holiday, that you spent it with family, doing something that mattered the most to you and being thankful for being here, having family, having friends, and having food on the table. That is definitely a blessing. I enjoyed my holiday as well, and I'm looking forward to walking off, uh, working off some of those extra pounds I put on uh, by eating. So <laughs> thankful for that. But this morning, folks, I want to I wanna get into a conversation that will motivate the motivators, a conversation that will strengthen those that we generally rely on to pull us through and to get out and fight and advocate for us. As we look at the news now, we see that there are a lot of social injustices that are going on today, primarily some things that are going on in the Chicago area. Well, I have a man in the studio with me today who is on the streets of Chicago day in, day out, and I asked him to come on the show so he can share his journey with us. You know, I think sometimes we forget about the people that we rely on, that we pull on, that we call in the midnight hour to help us through. You know, those times where something has happened to you, where there's been some kind of social injustice or someone has been arrested or something has happened to your family. And I'm not just talking about the attorney that you call. I'm talking about the people who get out there and advocate and fight and try to change laws. These people fight battles every day outside of their home or their immediate family. Now, we we all can probably relate to the fact that if something happens to my child or my family member, I'm out there, I'm on front line and center to fight. But how do you get up out of bed in the middle of the night, early in the morning, fill up your gas tank, 50 and $60 a walk to drive an hour or two to go talk to a person you never met and to feel for them and to fight for them and to help them? Good Lord, talk about thanksgiving. Talk about being thankful. Well, this morning I wanted to lift up some people who are out there doing some things like that. And the person I have in the studio with me today is none other than Mr. David L. Lowry. Mr. Lowry is out of the Chicago area. He is the founder of an organization, Living and Driving While Black. He is committed to helping and advocating for equal treatment under the law, and this is something that he does day in and day out that assists with fighting against police brutality, workplace injustices, and other discriminatory hiring practices. Not to mention, folks, that David L. Wilde is the host of a talk show, Let the Truth Be Told, that airs every Thursday at one thirty p.m. Central Time. Let's welcome to the cafe this morning, Mr. David L. Lowry. Good morning, David. How are you? Good morning,
1: Soy. it's a pleasure to be on your show this morning and um I'm I'm ready to talk about some things that we can do to change the mindset of our people.
0: Oh, uh, you know, that that is something to be shared. That's something to be shared, you know, and and uh it is um a struggle and a war and a battle when you when you have to get out there and do this every day to change the mindset of of people. But 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 before we, we get into the mindset of people, let's talk about your mindset. Let's talk about you and, 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 and where you're from, David, and how did you begin to walk this walk of, of getting out there and advocating for others? When did you know this is my favorite question right here. When <laughs> did you know that this was your calling? When did you know that?
1: Well, um, I grew up in Arkansas um I grew up on a plantation. um I watched my mother and father pick and chop cotton for pennies on the day um and I always wondered why we as black people, we had to work so hard, but yet we were never respected for the work that we've done so uh, this thing started at me at a very early age. I knew that um um that black people needed the kind of help they needed the direction so it started when I was about eight or nine years old. Um, my full awareness to blackness came when we left Arkansas and we moved to Chicago. Um, I had never been around uh, black totality. I mean, we was in the black community in Englewood. There was black businesses, politics. I mean, black people had great jobs. They had homes. I mean, everything um, that black people fighting for it, they had here in Chicago. Mm -hmm. But that was an awakening for me to understand more about who I was and where I came from and how black people got to America. Um, Mm -hmm. As I grew up older, I went to school at Children's Tech. I graduated from high school when I was 15. Um, Mm -hmm. My parents were always saying, you have to get an education because that's something that can't be taken away from you. And so uh, Mm -hmm. after high school, I moved to Davenport, Iowa, where I bought the first business when I was 17. Uh, I continued to work. I moved my parents from Chicago to Iowa. That's where they're at now. And so this has been something inside me. I hate to see injustices. I hate to see people suffering. So um, when I got to Iowa, I started to do this kind of work because it's like only 2% black, but over 90% of black people are being prosecuted or had some dealings with the law. And so I started to speak out about these injustices and became the president of the NAACP in Rock Island County, uh, where I was able to help a lot of people. We started to write legislation. Mm -hmm. And so it has been a, a journey to understanding more about the society and understanding how we can work with our people to make the changes. Wow.
0: And and what what fuels you? What what, what keeps you going? Because I I would imagine that a person taking on so much responsibility, taking on so much weight, and and being uh, able and positioned to to get out there and fight for others, that you you get weary along the way. So what what sustains you in this?
1: First of all, I know that God has blessed me uh, to be a voice for the people. Um, Mm -hmm. I hate to see injustices. It's just not right. The Constitution says all men should be created equal. And I believe in the Constitution. Uh, That's one of the things that I believe in to say, okay, well, if this piece of paper says that, then it should be like that. But as I got older, I understood that the Constitution is just a piece of paper and that Mm -hmm. equality for black people are not there. So that's what fuels me to fight because I want to be able to change our people mindset that equality is just right around the corner. All we have to do is unite. So that keeps me going to be able to – help people and to get people to understand more about uh, the society things that's happening in America today. So that keeps me going. What a mighty thing.
0: Now, there are are people out there, there are Trayvon Martins and Michael Browns and Laquan McDonalds everywhere in the country, and there are so many other stories of injustices and police brutality and killings, they never make the news, they never make the media, but yet these people are, are suffering and they're struggling. Can you share with the audience the purpose of your foundation, Living and Driving While Black and, and what it does for those for the community and, and those of the like?
1: Well, after being um the president of the NAACP twice, um I had the opportunity to go work with Al Sharpton in new york um when he ran for president and Johnny Cochran was still living um I saw that there was a need that was a it seemed to be a vacant space of reality uh, a lot of times the social organizations you know they address issues that's broad across the board, but I saw that throughout the years that nobody ever Changes the dynamics by filing lawsuits and writing legislation. And so that prompted me to say, okay, well, I took a page from back in the 60s when I grew up. Uh, Bobby Seale, who started the Black Panther Party, uh, was 10 years older than me, and I had an opportunity to meet him in the camera in Chicago. So I knew that back in the day, black people were able to be successful because we had unity and then we had people in political positions to be able to make those changes. And so with the foundation uh, uh being, being the president of Living the Drive My Black, it freed my hands up to really go out and fight for people. Um, when I was with the NAACP, there were so many uh, restraints that I had to fight with that I had to go through this channel that channel. And by the time that I was able to help somebody, that person was either dead or uh, something else that happened. So with the foundation, I'm able to come in, get the facts, and once I get the facts, I come back to our attorneys uh, here in Chicago. We sit down, we look at the case, and then we decide on what attorney's going to take it, and then we file a lawsuit. Mm-hmm. And I know that filing a lawsuit will make some changes. Uh, I think that in a lot of situations, when you when you go into somebody's pocket, and, I, and I'm not a racist, but I have to say it plain and simple, Um White America does not respect people who march and, and, and they make a lot of noise and they pose for the TV cameras. And after the fact that we've done all of this, nothing happens because we don't go after the solutions to fix the problems. Then it just dissipates. And so being the president of this foundation, I have full autonomy to do whatever I need to do. And so, you know, that's the way that we've been successful We've been helping people across the country, um, even there in Atlanta. I've taken a lot of cases, um, South Carolina, North Carolina, Chicago, L.A., all over the country people call us for help. And sometimes it's not about uh, taking a lot of action, but it's about informing people on what action they can take to make the change. Mm. So so uh, being the president of this foundation, it really clears the way for me to help people in any dynamic and any situation that they have. And we could bring justice to these problems.
0: I like that. It's not about taking action. Sometimes it's about letting them know what action they can take. Uh I I think do you find that in your in your career path and in your journey that a lot of us are unaware of their rights and the actions that they can take after they've encountered such injustices?
1: And yes, that's a big part of what the foundation does. Uh we want to teach people about how to operate in the United States uh because a lot of our people don't quite understand the legal process, they don't understand the social process, and so, with the foundation um I have a program called The New Black Mill, where we sit down mm. with our young men and women uh we teach them about who they are, where they came from, because in order for you to move forward, you got to know where you came from, and that's the problem. In America today, with our young people, they don't understand the struggle of how people picked and chopped cotton, how they fought tirelessly for, you know, to help people bring equality. They don't understand about the '60s, and that teaching of the '50s, and '60s has not been taught to our young people. So, if you don't know how to fight, can you fight? So it leaves them in a place of helplessness. And so that's what the foundation does. We take people who come out of jail. We take our young people. I try to go to as many schools that I can. I try to get out there on the streets talking to the brothers out there that they call gangbangers. Those are our children. And our children are out there doing these things because they have no future or they feel the hopelessness because nobody just simply come out there and talk to them. Uh, A lot of times our children are brought up in broken homes. They don't have a mother or a father to take them in and start to educate them about this society and how it operates. So I feel blessed that God has given me a voice that I'm able to go out in any city, no matter where I'm at in the United mm-hmm. States. I usually go out to the black community, the worst part, where brothers are selling dope, where the gang bangers at, and I just tell the I, – I, I'm going to give you a story. I went to Washington, D.C. Uh, to do a speaking mm-hmm. engagement, and I went over to Baltimore. Um, this was before the picture The Wire came out. And Mm so I I told the cab driver, I said, take me to the black community. And so he took me just to that spot there where a lot of dope sales was going on. And before I could close the cab door, he took off and left me. But I went out there and I started to talk to them brothers. I started talking about um, how easy it is to operate in the United States when you know the different processes. And I mean, Mm -hmm. for almost two hours, I was out there talking to them young brothers, asking me a lot of questions about fatherhood, How do you do this? How do you do that? I mean, our young people are begging to know how to do things. They are begging Mm -hmm. to know about their heritage, and they haven't been taught those things. So uh, with this foundation, it gives me that platform to go out and and talk to these brothers and sisters and get them to understand more about who they are, where they came from, and what their potentials Mm -hmm. are for the black community.
0: That's good stuff. That, that's good stuff. Now, what what about teaching them? Now, I'm sure that one of your classes covered this, but this is something that has boggled me. What about teaching them how to respond when you are questioned by a police or you find yourself under arrest?
1: Well, you know, we started with racial profiling back in New Jersey some years ago when I first went out to work with Shopton. And I was teaching young brothers that, I call it killing them with kindness. You know, when mm-hmm. police officers pull us over, you know, they have a preconceived notion that every black person is doing something wrong. And so mm-hmm. I tell guys, keep your hands where you can see them. If you need to communicate with the officer, you know, you let him know. I use yes, sir, no, sir, no, ma'am, those types of things that I give that officer respect. I let him say what he has to say. I'm not going to interrupt him. But once that he's done talking to me, and I feel that the situation is right, then I will make a comment, officer, what is the reason why I was pulled over? You know, just those small things so you really don't want this police officer to become your judge, jury, and executioner out there. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. those are the things that I teach young black men and women, how to deal with these type of stops, um, how to deal with discriminatory actions because a lot of times our people are discriminated against, and they see it. And they feel it, but they don't know how to react to it and deal with it. And so that's what this foundation does. It's about awareness. It's about knowledge and knowing how to do things to get the result, a positive result, to make changes in your life and people around you. Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah.
0: Do you find that when you approach uh, these gentlemen in a crowd or in individually that um something comes over you in which you feel that you have the ability to connect with them. With, with Listening to your background and listening to where you grew up, it you, you didn't sound like you was a product of the street environment. So how are you able to relate to them where they can let their guard down and, and speak to you or even ask you questions and feel like they want your feedback?
1: Well, um, when I moved to Chicago, there was a lot of street organizations um uh, that was out, growth and development, they had the vice lords on the west side. I mean, these were just common older brothers. That was a structure that was there uh, that guys like me had to follow. You know, I stayed in Inglewood. So uh, being in that area, uh, you're associated with the Gangster Disciples and growth and development. And so a lot of guys know me from the set. Uh, they know me from my, my godmother, was a uh, politician. She was an older woman. And she used us to reach out to the young brothers and sisters, me and my god, brother Ernest, Glenn, and my sister Martha. That we just went out through the community passing our fires, inviting them to meetings uh, to help them get organized. Guys like Congressman Bobby Rush, you know, I knew him when he was with the Black Panthers. So my, my god grandmother, she helped them. She was the type of politician that went out. And she stood out there with those guys on the corner. They respected her so much, Miss Barton. You know, they wouldn't do no dub sales. They would listen to her. As a matter of fact, they became a huge voting base for her mm-hmm. and other political leaders back in the day that was really doing something. So I've never had a problem, I mean, going out talking to black men and women. I'm not afraid of my family. I'm not afraid of my brothers and sisters. And so it's just it's something inside me that when I go out there, I started talking about the issues. Um, I could have been one of those kids. You know, I had parents who worked mm-hmm. all the time. Um, I was out, you know, even though I was, I'm was, i well-educated. I was out in the streets hanging out with the brothers, you know. And so there was a lot of times when things that I could have did wrong that I walked away from. And so mm-hmm. I understand a lot of situations with these people from broken homes, there's no opportunities. There's no one there to guide them and lead them so Um, I just feel that when I go out there, I start talking about the issues that they're talking about. You know, they want to know how to do stuff. They want to know how to get back in school. They want to know how to, how can I get a job? How can I take care of my family if I don't have any skills? And so when you start talking to young men about that, you know, being fathers and being leaders in the community, they listen because they're all not out there on drugs. They're all not out there to shoot and kill, but, they need to know how that they can be responsible fathers, and that's what they're not being told because a lot of their fathers are being locked up. And so mm. with me, and I meet those type of young men, I try to break the pattern. Of, I try to feed them something mm. that they can use or help them find out who that they are so that they can do something that would be positive and they can be responsible men. So, so um, I have just never had a problem. Like I said, I go anywhere. I even come to Atlanta. You know, and I go out to the communities where people say the gang bangers are, and when I come out, God has just given me the gift to be able to talk to these brothers and these sisters and get them to understand that, do positive stuff. Hmm. If you belong to a street organization, it ain't all about banging, slanging, and killing. It's about being unified. It's about belonging to something. Because some of the biggest gangs that I know of is the police departments across the country. It's the judges mm-hmm. and the lawyers, you know, who who go and they, they throw people in jail when they know they're innocent. It's about that. And so when young brothers understand about who they are, then they can make the change.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, there's strength in numbers, absolutely, absolutely. You know, there, there's a quote that I, I love and, and I actually recite it often by Martin Luther King. Uh, which is our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter. So we're thankful for people who have a voice in, in the community, on radio, on TV, and in, you know, in the courtroom. So we're thankful for for those voices. Now, uh, so a person like yourself, outside of being silent and 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 speaking on things things that matter, what are some action things that people can do to help with uh, what's going on with our social injustice. Because, you know, we see that now in, in the news, You turn to mm-hmm. the news now, there's protests going on in Chicago regarding the guy, uh, La- Laquan McDonald, for those who don't know, that, that's one of the latest things in Chicago. And there's a protest going on uh, right now in, in the streets of Chicago where their their goal was to disrupt the revenue that would have come in from black friday what what, what's that about for those who are not aware of what's going on with that
1: well you know just just as we fully know uh that the police departments across the country is corrupt uh here in chicago we have a lot of corrupt police officers who are out here uh putting drugs on men they're actually killing black men and so What happened in the McDonald case was it was a young black man who was shot 16 times. He was shot down like a dog. He didn't approach the police. He wasn't high on PCP like everybody thinks. But he had some issues, but it didn't lead to him being killed. And so what I I do is this. You have to know how to deal with people. You know, you have to know how to comply. Sometimes that's difficult because of the situation that these people put us in But we have to understand that, you know, I don't want to die out here today if there's something that I can do to save my life. And so one of the things that I say as far as a solution for black people, first of all, we have to start communicating with each other. A lot of times in the black community, people don't even know who their neighbors are. They don't know their kids. They don't know nothing about their families. And so what I'm suggesting here in Chicago is that, we start block clubs again. And that mm-hmm. means that when you have a block club that all the people meet once or twice a month, they talk about the issues going on in the community, they talk about issues that the children are facing at the schools, they talk about things that the city can do to make their communities better, they talk about economic development. I mean, those type of things are the basic things, and it's the beginning to make change in the community. Uh, secondly, As black people, we have to stop running into these voting booths, pulling the poll, pulling that poll down for people that we don't know nothing about. Mm -hmm. We spend so much time voting for people just because my mother was a Democrat, my father was a Republican, so I'm going to vote straight slate. And when you do that, you leave yourself open because a lot of political leaders aren't like it used to be. They're holding the office. They're They're not concerned about the constituents once they get into office then they change on the people. They start doing what's best for them and what's not best for the community. And so the second thing we have to do is that we have to do our research and we have to continue to train leaders up. Political leaders are servants to the community and we have to start holding them accountable. And that's part of the problem here in Chicago and across the United States. If our political leaders stood up and they started to talk about the change that needs to happen with the police department. If they start writing legislation to make those changes, and then they have to get back into the community and start meeting the people that help get them into office. So it's about communications, it's about our political leaders taking action, it's about all the organizations like NAACP, Urban League, National Action Network, Living and Drive While Black. We all need to be in one house. Because the house divided can't stand. So when we all separate like that, fighting battles on different fronts, then it weakens us. We need to be in the same house. We need to be fighting doing what we do best. And that way it shows unity. And I think that, that's one way that we can start to make the changes in the black community is be accountable for mm-hmm. ourselves, be accountable for our children, you know, and, and hold our political leaders accountable because we don't work for them. They work for us. And the attitude that a lot of our political leaders have, like they're superstars, like somebody wants the autograph. Man, if you're not doing what you're supposed to do, and I know a lot of political leaders, man, when I come into the room, they would be like, oh, here come David Lowry. He's, he's a real person. He He's going to talk about me if I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. But it takes black people as a whole to make these people do what they're supposed to do. And once that we get control of our communities, we start thinking about economic development. There's no Absolutely. way that a black business can go into a white, white community and open up shop. You can't do it in the, the, the Hispanic community. You can't do it in the Chinese community. You just can't do it. But everybody coming to the black community, and they get rich off of us. Mm-hmm. Those are some of the things on the economic side that we need to be doing mm-hmm. in our community, buying black and, and, and supporting black businesses.
0: Well, thank you, thank you, thank you for that, David, and and I really appreciate you being on the show and and sharing these words with us. Uh, Kudos to you, um, power to you, Praying for strength for you as you get out there and continue to do these things, and hopefully this this information has inspired and educated others to get out there and do what they can. But we only have another minute or so before the show ends, and so real quickly, can you just let people know where they can get more information about you and and the causes that, that you're fighting for?
1: Sure. Uh, a lot of people that need the help, you can call us at 773 998 1207. Or you can go to our website, livingdrivingwildblack.net. Um, we don't care where it's at. If you're having a problem, if you need information on how to do something, if you've been the victim of police brutality, racial profiling, we want you to call us because we have attorneys all over the country. Just right there in Atlanta where you have Justin Bamberg works with this foundation. And so uh-huh. every different state, we can help somebody. So I want to say that people call us. Uh, go to our website, liveanddrivingwhileblack.net, uh-huh.
0: 773-998-1207. All right. That's the word from the streets of Chicago, David L. L. We thank you, David, for being on the show. We appreciate you. Well,
1: well folks, and God bless awesome. you.
0: Bye. Thank you, thank you Bless you as well That's all the time we have for today's show I thank you for listening and tuning in With the girl Soy Where we'll talk every Saturday at 10am Find me on your social media site Under soy, soy Or got soy Tag me, hashtag me And find me under our show uh, Title Coffee Talk with Soy Your new morning show Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter And not to mention the website CoffeeTalkWithSoy.com have a great week folks to so get out there and make a difference